Hasta la vista, baby. No, that's more like... Perfect. That's... Wait, I, I can do better. Can I do better? I don't know if I can. Let me see. Let me see. Hasta <clears throat> la vista, baby. <laughs> that's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. it's, a rough, it's a rough road we hoe. Oh, boy. The, the robot's name was T-800. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Your story. Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And on this week's episode... Oh. That's right. We're watching Terminator 2. Okay, I'm done. That's right. We're watching Terminator 2. Judgment Day from 1991, directed by James Cameron. Jesus Christ. (laughs) No, I'm really done. You will have no fate if you keep this up. Uh... (laughs) James Cameron directed, yes. James Cameron directed this. We are continuing our summer blockbuster series of films with a great entry, I would say. John, what do you say... Just kind of pre pre watch. What do you remember about this? Do you remember this being good? Do you remember enjoying this? I'm worried, to be honest. Okay. Because I mean, I have great memories of the movie. I remember going to the theater to see it. I I remember just being completely blown away by by you know these special effects and 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 I'm thinking about it now. Is this the first Arnold Schwarzenegger movie we're doing? Oh damn! It might be. So so yeah, like I mean, I have a long history of uh, enjoying a lot of uh, old Arnold Schwarzenegger movies with my older brother, and uh, so I have a lot of familiar, fun, nostalgic memories of all a whole bunch of movies, uh, including Terminator Two, and and I know this one gets a lot of praise. I know it won a few Oscars, uh, not for acting or writing, but, but still like the, the effects and the makeup and stuff were on point. Like there's just a really lot of good stuff going on. And, and I have very positive memories. I haven't seen in a long while. And I'm just trying to recall and play back the whole movie in my head. And I'm thinking, what if it's just a big convoluted mess that like, I just loved because of all the, you know, effects and the razzle dazzle and, and it's really just a horrible movie. I I honestly don't know. Uh, it's been well. How long has it been? Oh wow, it's been gosh, what year is it now? Twenty twenty ish. Twenty twenty. Definitely over ten years. Maybe maybe. See, it's been 15. a fair bit more recent for me. Um, I watched this a couple years ago with my kid. It happened to be on, like one of the free roku channels and so we we watched it kind of with commercials interspersed and keeping in mind this is sort of pre-memory distillery so i don't necessarily have that kind of critical eye that i've been developing over the last 65 episodes but uh it's to me 
I like I watching it. I still loved the story. I still loved the acting, even if it didn't win any awards. Like Linda Hamilton, obviously, is a fucking powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwarzenegger, Natch, like is is great. Um, I even, uh, I mean, I always love him, but I even love uh, uh, Joe Morton in this. Um, yeah, like he's he's always great in everything that I see him in, but in this in particular, I I really enjoyed him. He's like the Cyberdean guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he like runs Cyberdyne, and he has yeah. like the the chip and all that other stuff. Uh, I, my biggest concern is sort of the flip side to yours. I think is are the effects going to hold up? Like, is this going to look hokey? And is is it going to look like very obviously computer generated and and stuff like that? I I'm sort of confident that it won't. I'm. I have a fair bit of faith in James Cameron and his ability, even going so far back as 1991. But I still have that sort of cautious optimism, I guess you'd call it, about what I'm going to see when we actually like sit down and watch this movie. And I have to say, also, I'm a I'm either a big fan or I'm I'm a combination of a big fan, and I'm also sensitive to time travel storylines meaning if it's done even yes. if it's done even basically well i can get into it but if it's really horribly done the logic is just twisted and stupid it can distract me even in like a mindless action summer blockbuster so i i don't quite remember i mean of course i understand the general conceit of time travel within the terminator franchise um but i don't know if they're dealing they seem from what i recall to be dealing with a singular universe theory where some things do impact the future and but then they try to change the path anyway we'll unravel that a bit uh, when we watch so i'm just kind of curious how much yes. of a, a mess was that just conceit thrown in there just because it'd be cool or did they actually think it out a little bit and in my head i'm thinking that it's more or less like concise but i, I could be you know, I, I could be telling tales out of school right now. Like, I don't know. So I think the only way to figure out if that's the case is to go and watch this. What do you say, John? Should we go do that? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that, that means yes. Okay. I wasn't sure. I was pretty sure, but I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, so we're going to go and do that. It is currently streaming on Showtime or on Prime or Hulu if you have Showtime subscriptions added to those. Or it is Fubo. Also, yeah, it is also streaming streaming on Fubo, which I guess is a streaming TV service. I, uh, hey, so, hey, 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 let's take it easy. F- Fubo, as we all know it's properly pronounced is one of the premier streaming services available to customers living in the greater Portland area. I, I, I have no, no, I've never heard of it before, but the internet tells us it's there. So good luck to you. Well, it's on Fubo and we hope to have you as an advertiser in the near future. Fubo. Uh, it is also available on all the usual suspects as far as Back. We are talking Terminator 2 Judgment Day. John, are you ready? I'm yes. <laughs> oh, see, you didn't you didn't do the thing. Yeah, no, I'd like to keep you off balance. Oh, Jesus. Let's do it. Alright. I know now why you cry. It's because this movie's really long.
like really really long uh which we're gonna get into that here but uh welcome back everyone uh i forgot how long this movie is like you think cyberdyne is gonna be their last stand and like that's that's where they they end this whole thing but nope there's still 35 minutes left for the movie at that point at least from the theatrical cut that i was watching uh yeah i watched the longer movie <laughs> i watched the yeah special extended cut that was like an extra right. you had like an extra 20 minutes or yeah. so right 15 or 20 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> and i can't imagine that that was all just credits so well you, what did i miss i mean have you ever had like a, like a perfectly decent sandwich and then thought i'm just gonna add another piece of bread to the sandwich but where does it go i mean just Kind of shove that bread in there, and then you got a, a, a sandwich that's a little breadier. And that's my official way of saying, you didn't miss much. <laughs> Great. It's just, okay. I, I think they did a pretty good job of editing <laughs> the first time around, uh, <laughs> and they cut out a bunch of little extra things. I went back, because I haven't seen the movie for so long, I just looked up after the fact to just verify which scenes were added or not, because... Uh, it didn't feel like there was a lot of large scenes. It turns out that there's like one or two decent sized scenes, but most of them are like a minute here, a minute there, a minute there. A minute. They just drag things out and don't cut them well. <laughs> um, there's a, it, it felt like there was a lot more scenes where uh, Linda Hamilton is like contemplating, you know, people burning to death. Um, but the well, one... That's fun. I'll just I'll start things off by saying the the one scene that I thought was kind of cool that probably I would have included in the movie is um, when the Terminator gang heads to that garage after uh, their first shootout to like spend the night and you know pull bullets out of the Terminator's body and all that good stuff and sew up uh, Sarah Connor. There's a scene in the theatrical release where. Um, I keep wanting to say the actor's names, and I'm, but uh, yeah, young John Connor says, "Can you learn?" or you know something like that, and he just says, "Yes." Well, in the extended release, he explains that you have to access his like main chip, and you have to, to change it over from like read to write, <laughs> um, so that you're able, so that he's able to learn instead of just be completely you know following programming. Um, and so there's a whole scene where they take apart his head, take out the chip, and then Sarah is about to smash it with a hammer, and, and John has to stop her, and they have this emotional thing, and he's like, how can you keep telling me I'm supposed to be a leader in the future if you won't even listen to me right now, and I'm your son, and all this stuff, and then, and that, like... Well, but that, okay, but that sounds like it should have been in the movie. Right, no, I'm saying that's the one thing, was just oh, the, oh, okay. that Sorry, scene... I, I... Yep. Missed that explanation, but yes. Yeah, so that's about a minute and a half, two minutes uh, scene. But it like it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That that was that could have really been in the movie. It would have added a little flavor and, and you know, not bad, but almost everything else was just <laughs> just other various scenes just being extended by, you know, a minute and it's like, Oh, you know that scene where they're getting all the weapons under from the underground bunker? Well, mm-hmm. that scene plays out for about two minutes longer and where John Connor is just basically saying, but I mean, don't you ever get scared? And he goes, no. Well, what about like, are you ever afraid? No. Well, I mean, but really? So you're not like afraid? Not even like of death? No. 
And like it just goes on and then eventually it gets to the good part where he picks up the minigun and smiles. Um, so it's like <laughs> there's just a lot of moments that, uh, you know, make a movie that's it's, it's fairly long and you feel it and it makes it even longer. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, like that, that I'm telling you, I got to the end of that. Or we, I was getting toward the end of that, uh, that Cyberdyne scene. And I was like, man, this has to be done soon. So for it to go on even longer than that, um, not that this is a bad film by any means. We're going to get into the the sort of nooks and crannies of it, but uh, it it could have stood to have been shorter or at least a little more concise in areas. I think, uh, apparently even more so with the uh, the <laughs> extended cut of the the special edition. You know, we went through this weird era, and maybe we still are. I don't know, but. We went to this weird era with home video where we would get, you know, you'd go out and buy a DVD or a Blu-ray or even in some cases a VHS and you would end up with an extended cut because it was there and it was like another $2 or whatever it was. And you you got it because you wanted like the, the extras or the deleted scenes or, you know, the, the so-called Snyder cut as it were uh, or as it is now at least uh like you you wanted like those extra bits and pieces that didn't make it into the theatrical cut i don't know that we necessarily look for that anymore maybe not in like, the same way uh, but you did reference I, I the snyder with, cut right now uh, sure yeah absolutely, <laughs> and that is but, present <laughs> yes uh and i mean uh, there, there's one other recent example that i can think of but then for for me, I'd have to go back ten or fifteen years to even find one. The the other recent one being Endgame, where I they did a re-release, right? Where yeah. Avengers Endgame they put it back into the theater with an extra like ten or fifteen minutes worth of footage, uh, and I think a lot of it was in the the final fight scene. But the yeah, like it, we we were obsessed with the idea of okay, let's go watch this in the theater, and now let's go buy it on you know dvd or blu-ray and see what else there is to the movie that we didn't get in the theater i feel like the the reason that's kind of gone by though is it feels i I imagine it's probably tied a lot to the availability of movies and streaming that could be true that could absolutely be true in fact i I would i would venture to say that that's probably correct so yeah i mean i i think i i do remember the era of uh, primarily i think like with VHS tapes, uh, it was more like every once in a while there'd be a special re-release. And, and that's when the film studio just wanted to make money on a movie that uh, they'd taken off the shelves for a while. And then they have a new special edition. And Well, you'd get like an occasional director's <clears throat> cut, too. Yeah, yeah. But then like with DVDs, you still had that sometimes. But that was the great, you know, uh, era of all of the, the special features which would either be director's commentary layered over the movie or additional cutscenes, and like, or, or maybe two different versions on the same DVD. And like, you know, that it really kind what? of built things up. And I mean, I was there for it because I love, like, I can't even tell you how many director commentaries I've watched. Some movies I've watched many different director's commentaries for the same movie. Um, oh, not even direct, not even just director's commentaries. Like you would watch for like the the cast. If it was yeah. particularly like star studded cast, you'd be there for that too. Yeah, absolutely. Like if it was a movie I really liked, or even if a movie I 
just thought was interesting for some reason and I wanted to hear more about it. I was all about that that extra insight. Um, yeah, so but then now with with streaming, you you've really cut out almost all of the special feature aspects and you know you're kind of left to either purchase the the movies themselves to to get that or to find alternate ways to to watch and partake of that. It's kind of a shame in my opinion. It is a little bit because like I I found a lot of value in some of those commentaries, like especially when it's a movie that I really truly enjoyed by a director that I really respected. Like I always wanted to hear sort of what they thought of particular scenes that I thought were pivotal to, to movies and how they shot a particular scene or you know, even just like bullshitting about stuff that happened behind the scenes. Like I I thought that that was always or I always thought that, that was something. Uh, you know, cool and fun to to have. Um, you know what I was also really into with Terminator Two, in particular, was their Universal Studios stage show. Because every time I went to Universal, <laughs> I would always go to that stage show. Uh, which, by the way, ran until October of 2017. So, like, that's that's not a small thing. Like, they were obviously still doing pretty well up to that point. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept putting it out there sort of the same with uh that water world stage show that they had going on for a long time i'll have uh, to take your word for it but uh as i've never been but i i do believe those probably were quite entertaining they were um the, you the, the actors were just far enough away from you that you didn't really necessarily have to think about the fact that they didn't really truly look like you know uh edward furlong and linda hamilton and arnold schwarzenegger like it, it was it was something you just sort of let go because you know it's a a stage show that you're sure. sitting in in the air conditioning for <laughs> you know 12 minutes because it's hot as shit in florida and you know you you just sort of dealt with that and and suspended disbelief well speaking of florida i do want to go back and be off topic more because that's fun um excellent do you do you have any movies that come to mind when you're thinking director's commentary like just off the top of your head anything that you absolutely remember or love that like just changed or added enjoyment to a movie above just your typical things like anything special stand out you know not a director's commentary necessarily but uh if you've seen the movie sideways uh the commentary for that movie uh is done by paul giamatti and thomas hayden church and it's it's really (laughs) i wouldn't call it enlightening by any stretch of the imagination but it's just sort of uh paul giamatti and thomas hayden church bagging on themselves for the duration of the movie (laughs) um like there's talking about like how uh thomas hayden church is talking about his giant head and how it's only you know something about like it's the same size as my belly uh like uh and paul giamatti talking about like uh his downhill wine chug was uh doughiness and clumsiness or something to that effect but it's 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 fun and it's uh it's it's just the it's it's just two actors being their true selves and it's it's fun it's it's funny and it's fun and it's great yeah there's i mean 
I feel like we could do a whole episode on commentaries and things. I think it goes that deep, but like there's some movies where I just really like the movie and then the commentary makes it even better. Like the oceans 11, the, the remake, you know, and uh, I want to say it was like Matt Damon and Brad Pitt and um, maybe Andy Garcia. Uh, well, that, but, would, like, that would be a good commentary. anyway. Yeah, it was great. And like, they're so like complimentary and they really get into all the, the choices that the different actors made to, to like set up each of their characters in a big cast. And like, and they're just like, like oh yeah, do, do you notice how, you know, like just check this out, like check out this charisma, like no one could have done this line like this. And like, and they're just like, so it's really complimentary and fun to hear them go at it. Um, but like in a, just a respectful way. And then there's other movies. I mean, I can go on, but I'll just say like uh, another one that's just classic is to watch the audio commentary for They Live. Oh, really? <laughs> because it's John Carpenter and Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. That's all you need to say about that because it sounds amazing. I uh, another one that I watched, uh, speaking of John Carpenter, was Escape from New York, uh-huh. and the commentary is with him and Kurt Russell, and the the back and forth is really good. So I can imagine John Carpenter and Roddy Roddy Piper being just as good, or if not better. Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, uh, distillers, if you're hearing this and you feel ripped off because. You really wish we would just go on for another 45 minutes about the best audio commentaries? Let us know, because I could hook that up for you. I think we both would be willing to to do a special episode on that uh, at some point. Yeah, we could totally do uh, an episode on sort of best commentaries. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But uh, let's get back to the meat of this thing. This The people want a Terminator 2, and we're going to have to give them at least a little bit of Terminator wh- 2, aren't we? And... W- Give them we will. We're going to start with Danny Cooksey and the fact that he loves the shit out of You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses because he plays it like nine <laughs> times in the first 15 <laughs> minutes of this movie. Uh, just re- on repeat. I don't know if it's the only song he has on that audio cassette or if it's the only song that they they got licensed for and they spent all their licensing money on a Guns N' Roses song. But it it plays so many times in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> it does that's play all quite i really had to say about that and you don't even have to offer commentary on that it's just it is what it is but yeah go ahead no i i i would like to uh summon that right to not incriminate myself excellent um then we'll move on to robert patrick because he's incredible as t1000 like i i've thought this for a long time but <laughs> watching this again i just i mean anytime that i see robert patrick i'm like oh it's t1000 because like that's just who he is to me but who's the more believable expressionless robot actor on arnold schwarzenegger or robert patrick see i've seen both of them in numerous things and i feel like maybe it's more impressive like you're saying that robert patrick being t1000 because I've seen him do a range of other things where he's very different actors. Whereas with Arnold, he's kind of like the Terminator in a lot of his other <laughs> movies as well. So so it's kind of maybe not as much of a stretch to pull that off. No, yeah. I mean, uh, Arnold, for better or worse, is the Terminator. Uh, Robert Patrick, while uh, excellent as the... T-1000 isn't necessarily the T-1000. Like, he's been in so many other things, and I've enjoyed him in so many other things. Um, The X-Files comes to mind. 
uh, yeah. as, as something that I really enjoyed him in, even for his short run. Uh, I don't know if you saw the TV serial for From Dust Till Dawn, uh, but he's great in that as well. Uh, so, yeah, so he, he gives us a little more to work with. Arnold, you know. I mean, I think he plays, at least in the first two versions, where they're not like just CGI de-aging him and trying to do some really special things uh, with the T-800. Um, I, I think he plays a more or less decent cybernetic robot cyborg entity thing. I do, too. I think that it's that he's well-suited to the role, and I don't think that it's because he's not a good emotional actor. I just think he's a good emotionless actor. Like I think he's good at that thing. Like he just has that that element to him that he can just turn off the emotion piece of it and even do like a a robot fakey emotion thing. Like yeah. especially in, in sort of the playfulness with John and when you get to the foundry scene where he's like, Ron, John, go, like he's he's yelling at John, like you need to go. Like that's that I, I, yeah. that that's sort of not necessarily a fake emotion thing, but like a my neural net has learned I need to yell at you to get you to go, and but he he portrays that really well. Yeah, I forgot to mention there there is one other cutscene that uh, is enjoyable, even though it only lasts a few seconds. When one of the times they're stopping to get gas at a, a gas station, John is telling him, you know, you need to lighten up. Can't you smile? And he's like, what do you mean? You know, what smile? And and then he points to, of course, this is a, a robot that has access to like all of, you know, the computerized <laughs> data intelligence. And he doesn't know the definition of the word smile, but okay. Um, he's like, what is a smile? And then he points to some guy talking, uh, some dorky looking guy just kind of with a stupid grin on his face. And then Arnold turns toward him and just kind of mashes his face into trying to imitate that smile. And, and I have to admit that it was kind of funny i was like why did they cut this out it was only like an extra 15 seconds like did they think they don't want you know they didn't need any humor in this movie because it's a pretty heavy movie at times they could do with every little dose of humor they could get sure but i to to your point like it could have just been the he has access to the entirety of human knowledge and he doesn't know what a fucking smile is like that's probably it because especially when you look at Going back to Robert Patrick, uh, when he shows up at the foster parents' house and he's questioning them and asking them for a photo, uh, like he's very natural. It's a natural human interaction for the most part. Like you can sort of tell that he's playing a robot in. There's there's one spot where he sort of delays his response to the foster parents, and that's like, oh, I'm processing what you just asked. Uh, mm-hmm. But like f- his facial expressions are very human, and so I'm I, I can't imagine that the T800 and the T1000 are that far off in terms of facial expressions, especially when we get into later films and like you know you you have Arnold Schwarzenegger in the past for you know decades he's learned how to do that so i i don't see it being this this stretch of the imagination that oh he doesn't know what a smile is yeah and it's it's there's you know as we delve into this movie a bit more um like 
I do want to touch on the whole issue with time travel and all that, but like before we re- even even get into that, the the same issue of like Terminator knowledge, like so Arnold, the the or I should say the the T eight hundred, he went back knowing what young John Connor looked like already. Now you could say, well, yeah, because he was programmed by adult John Connor to go back and protect himself. But it's like, after the nuclear war and all these things happen and everything's rubble and dust, does adult John Connor keep pictures of himself as a kid around? Like, that just seemed a little bit weird to me. Like, how does how does the T-800 know just by looking at him that that's John Connor? I don't know. I thought that was something. I mean, it, that that is weird, but I would say it's probably explainable. Like, there's a good chance that, you know, as as he was getting away from Judgment Day, that he had a picture of him and his mom in a bag or something like that. Yeah, or, I guess I'll go. Like, I mean, that's not a huge stretch to me. Uh, in the, in the same way that what's a smile is a stretch to me, but and we we will get into the time travel thing toward the end of this because I, I do want to uh, sort of pick that apart a little bit. But I um I, I want to talk a little bit more just about the the earlier parts of this film. Uh, the stunt shots, especially uh, the ones on the LA River or or that wash that they were in or whatever, uh, that you you have these this mixture of you know first person close up shots of the actors, and then you have the stunt shots. Uh, the stunt yeah. shots were difficult for me because the head on stunt shots are too clear. And so you can very easily see that that is not Arnold Schwarzenegger and Edward Furlong. That is stunt actor one and stunt actor two uh, on the motorcycle very yeah. clearly. And, and stunt, stunt, stunt actor two yeah. looking like Dobby from fucking Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, there were one or two where it really like it really looked like they just took a stunt actor and then pulled on like a latex max mask from like the costume shop. (laughs) Oh, it's one of those Terminator masks. I'm pulling over my face because it even just looked a little blocky and weird, but yeah, like (sighs) what are you going to do? Oh, look at me. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm just losing it thinking about that, but that's yeah. One other thing, I think maybe the last thing that I had trouble with was the nuke effects, uh, the the, the special effects of the nuke scene oh, yeah. in the dream sequence. Um, I, I remember thinking that that was so cool when I was younger and how it like portrayed the the nuclear strike. But watching it now, like it's weird, right? <laughs> the like, pains and the anguish of of burning for minutes on end and being in agony, not just evaporating in a pile of dust because of the intensity of being in the blast wave. Well, it's just like, oh, it's so horrible. Not even that. It's just like the given the advent of high definition and ultra high definition, like you have this scene that in 1991 probably looked really realistic, but in 2020 looks super modeled and fake. Like you can tell that these buildings are small models and these 
buses and cars yeah. are toys and even the 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 people are are skeleton they're, they're, they're fake skeleton models that are it's not realistic and it, it did take me out of the moment um not to say i think that i think part t- of the but i go ahead <laughs> sorry go ahead. i was gonna say i just think uh maybe a reason for that on top of just what you've already said is the fact that they really linger on these moments like they they're not like independence day where you have an explosion and that explosion happens and then flattens down a street and that's the like here it's like dream sequences flashback flash forward kind of like really dwelling and letting it soak in it lasts so long that you're just staring at it thinking about it and so that just heightens the fact that the effects you know having not caught up over 30 years like it it just makes you look at it longer and think about it well not not just that it's long but that it's close like you're right up on it and so you can see that this is these buildings are made of you know popsicle sticks or balsa wood or whatever and (laughs) not like it it wasn't well thought out for the future and like oh technology is going to advance so we should probably account for that uh it was it was almost like just sort of slapped together and they said all right well we're going to destroy it anyway so like who gives a shit and well i gave a shit so uh there we go. Yeah, you did, and uh, and this was a movie again winning an Oscar for special effects, and and you gotta you well, gotta hold things to a certain standard. But there were good <laughs> effects. I mean, if you yeah, if you think about the scene uh, in the Dyson house where uh, John takes Danny off to show me your room, and Arnold takes the knife and cuts off the skin and degloves his forearm and hand to show a robotic hand like that that was good special effects that was it actually very was. close to believable like i i had trouble looking at that and going okay so where's where's the cutoff like where's the superimposing where's how, how do i tell that this is fake and it's it's not an easy thing to do. It looked real enough that it actually made me think, wait a second, I thought he's like has like muscle and things too. Like how you know, when like it made me think as though he actually were a machine pulling skin off, you know, like and so I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Wait, like how come there's no like extra you know, muscle or tissue or anything padding around. Because earlier, you know, you have scenes where John's like poking him and touching his face and touching his back and Mm -hmm. his body and feeling his muscles and stuff. If that was simply just some skin on top of a metal exoskeleton, it would feel, well, maybe with Arnold, it feels very similar. Um, But you would think it'd be different. But yeah, like it, that was real enough in that moment that it actually made me like think about him and doing that and that whole like well of course it doesn't hurt he's just a robot it's like oh wait no but this is just a movie oh uh or yeah you know uh, uh, another <sighs> shot uh that they they sort of do really well with the effect it's, it's like they they took the first half of the movie and said well effects aren't that important so we're, we're not going to worry too much about it with the exception of some of the the t1000 stuff but uh the the foundry scene 
in which they showcase the T-1000 and sort of what it can do and what it's really capable of. Uh, especially considering how janky CGI was back then. Like, they leaned into that and said, hey, we can get away with this. Like, the yeah. the, the part where uh, the T-800 uh, like stabs through the T-1000 with that pry bar uh, and the T-1000 just goes, oh... I'm going to grab this pry bar and pull it out of my side to the side. And I can just do that because I'm the T-1000. It looks janky CGI, but in taken in context of this liquid metal machine, it really worked. Yeah. And like, I mean, of course, for, for any faults he may have, James Cameron has had a long history of bringing special effects to new levels in, in movies. And, and like, I love, when I first saw the abyss, like I loved it, and it God, just, we have the to do the abyss one the, of these days. Yeah, but like, spoiler alert: there's some uh, effects in the abyss that are a little bit like what we see many years later in Terminator Two, um, and it's that the you know the aliens controlling the water or whatever. But it's like at the time with the abyss, there was absolutely nothing like that that I had seen before. And then between then and Terminator 2, there really wasn't much of anything else that took advantage of this like uh, style of computer graphics uh, to do the morphing technology stuff. And so that's another thing, the shock value when this came out, similar to The Matrix or other movies that have establishing action shots or special effects that just haven't been either they haven't been done before, or haven't been done in a widespread American audience or, you know, in a way that really just captures the imagination and just kind of boggles the mind a bit. And so I remember when this came out and seeing it in the theater and every single scene with the T-1000 basically was just me, you know, having my jaw drop open just a bit and be like, oh, <laughs> cool. But then again, I, I love Deep Space Nine and I love Odo as a character who can transform great. and shapeshift and stuff too. So it's like all, all that stuff, like maybe I just like shapeshifting stuff. Maybe I don't even care about the quality of movies or TV shows. I just like <laughs> things that turn into other things. I do like, I used to like Transformers. No, that's true. I can't say, I can't say I liked all the movies, but hey. Um, so Gen yeah, 1. So that, the effects, Gen 1. The, the liquid metal effects, it's a smart choice for the time because they, they couldn't just do flawless, you know, human to human transformations without having the liquid mirror metal intermediary you know to to edit and and so the fact that, that was super cgi looking works because they're just trying to say it's some sort of uh you know metal alloy it's not saying oh it's supposed to look like a person turning into a person it's supposed to look like a metal thing that's like gloopy and shiny turning into other stuff and mm -hmm. and i'm sure they probably did some effects with like you know mercury or, or you know like where they just took some establishing shots or like when when he's frozen and then he's you know melting and coming back together i bet some of that was practical effects um and that's why that still like looks really good for what it was but then they transform the practical effects into cgi and then uh they that stuff stands up for what it is it does it does for sure uh, yeah, going back to the abyss for a second, we were talking about commentaries earlier. Not so much commentaries, but the featurette for that movie was fascinating to me growing up, uh, and, and you know how they shot it and uh, like the the tanks that they shot in, like how they, they yeah. covered them with that uh, that floating the, the floating granules or whatever to 
blot out the sun inside the tanks. Like, I thought that was so neat. There was one thing in the Cyberdyne scene that it wasn't a bad effect and it wasn't a bad shot or anything. It just sort of bothered me because it was inaccurate was uh, the T-800 shooting the grenade launcher into the door to blow it open (laughs) at such close range. For two reasons. One, but, the blast okay, radius yeah. on a on a, an M203 grenade launcher, which is uh, the, that 40, mil, 40 millimeter round is what he shot out of it. Uh, the blast radius on that is five yards. It will blow at the very least. It would have been blown back, uh, let alone, you know, probably super fucked up. The other thing is that that closer range, it wouldn't have gone off. The reason for that is because a 40 millimeter round has to spin a certain number of times before it's actually armed. Like you can hit the firing pin on it, but until it spins the requisite number of times, it won't actually explode. Counterpoint. He is a Terminator. Okay, well, then there we go. (laughs) So, first of all, I do like that at least, at the very least, they made an effort when he did that to to show the explosion and the air from it, like, blowing against him and making it look like it was a big deal. Like, if a a human did this, it might have been rather problematic. They did try to at least show that a little bit. Um, And then secondly, about it not arming the grenade, you're also probably not realizing that he probably used cybernetic spin technology to like do the thing like in the movie Wanted where you like flick your wrist and make the bullets like travel. Like he probably did some kind of spin where he shot off that that grenade so he knew it would have to spin because he doesn't know what a smile is, but he knows how many rotations a, a propelled grenade is going to take. See, and that's that's probably what I meant. It was like they didn't have the technology back in 1991 to properly show the the spin of the 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 40 millimeter grenade round like they did in the movie wanted so you didn't get to see it curve around him and do a rotation around him before it actually went at the wall uh so okay that makes sense now yeah i feel it was very very heavily implied though i'm surprised you didn't pick up on it you know uh I, I, oh, you didn't I can't, watch the extended I, I can't, edition. I can't want to. Oh, is that what it was? It was in the special edition. The <laughs> in the extended edition, they left in an extra like three point two seconds of him twisting his arm and having the the, the rocket propelled grenade orbit around uh, him. Not even rocket propelled. <laughs> yeah, like they had, like circled around him twice, and then it built up enough spin cycles that it exploded properly. It's yeah, <laughs> you miss that. I, I take these things for granted. Uh, you poor, you poor individuals who didn't get to see the extra twenty-two minutes. Well, uh, egg on my face, I guess. So unprepared. I, I was. You're right. Uh, some interesting style choices, f- especially for the Santa Sarah Connor character. Uh, the the black BDUs with the steampunk shades I had down here when they're uh in, in southern california in the middle of the desert and she like changes yeah. clothes uh that the steampunk shades especially i think were were different but i i do i kind of like the fact that at least they do address like the fact that she's like i'm gonna need clothes and i'm gonna need this and i mean like they so they had a ton of stuff just stored there so at some point in her life 
with all of the different men that she'd been with to learn things from. One of those people is going to be geeky, nerdy, steampunk type person. And so she just, those are some of those leftover sunglasses she had. You know, I mean, I do think it's only fair now that we're a few minutes into the, to this review to at least address her overall thoughts. I mean, it feels like we've been bagging on the movie pretty hard, even though we've also said, well, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's horrible, but it's like, I'm curious, like, overall, in terms of just watchability, enjoyability, taking everything into account, where where does this where does this land for you as just a, a movie? Is it do you still enjoy it and like it? Like, where's it at? You know, that's an excellent question, especially considering the sort of critical nature of this particular episode of the Memory Distillery. I would say yes, I do still very much enjoy this movie. I did still have a lot of fun watching it. Um, I, I critique it because I enjoy it and I love it and I want it to be better. So uh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, for it, even for all of its faults, this movie still holds up. It's still very much enjoyable. Uh, it's still my favorite Terminator film. <laughs> That's quite a qualifier. Um, yeah, I, there's something that hit me a little, like, kind of interestingly, the, that I don't think hit me before because I, when I watched this originally and all, I wasn't obsessed with nuclear holocausts and nuclear winters and, and all that. Like, it wasn't something that was really on my mind, but more and more nowadays, I do contemplate what, you know, the, the nature of human beings and like that whole, like, we're not going to make it, are we? We pretty much suck. We're, we're just going to destroy <laughs> ourselves and everything around us. And, like, that's just in our nature, and it's going to be hard to avoid that. Like, that that conceit of this movie w- actually made me just a little uncomfortable this time. Um, only because it just hit a little too close to home. Well, especially uh, with everything going on right now. Like, Yeah. There's just so much going on that reinforces this idea that, are we really sure that humans are going to make it because we do some really stupid things uh, collectively. But at any rate, um, even given that, uh, I still enjoyed the movie. I, I wouldn't say it's horrible, but I didn't love it. And it it exhausted me a little bit, partly because of the length of the movie, especially when you add on the extra 20 minutes of nothing. Um, and, and then partly because there are some things that I feel like the first half of the movie does a little bit better at like building tension and you know make you feel a bit of the edge edge of your seat dynamic of you know how how are they gonna figure this out who's chasing who what's going on like there there's some stuff where you're really still in that zone where you're figuring things out and then as you get to the point where it's kind of like you said when you get to the point where they're like okay we're gonna go to cyberdyne we're gonna start working on this like then to me, it starts to feel a bit heavy and you start to wonder, okay, I'm going to check the time real quick. How much time left? Oh, crap. There's a lot of time left. Oh, no, no problem. Cool. I'm sure they're going to do something neat. And like, there's plenty of great action sequences, some, you know, cool little things going on, but nothing comes together in a level of enjoyment that really makes me just appreciate this movie. And like, I know it's unfair to like compare it to like Raiders of the Lost Ark that we just watched, but as long as we're in the summer blockbuster series, I feel like that's a fair thing to come back to a, a callback. And I'll just say with Raiders, it wasn't a perfect movie in my mind, but it was one where once I like turned on that childlike joy of adventure, I could enjoy it in a certain frame that just made me just love it. And it was great. 
with this one, if I'm saying, well, maybe I just want an action movie with, you know, explosions in it. Even if I try to click that switch, that doesn't just make this movie perfect then. It still has enough other issues and inconsistencies and, and wanting to be more, wanting to bring drama when it's like you've pretty much locked in what you are and what you are is a movie about a robot blowing things up. But now you're trying to make it really <laughs> emotional and make it about love and family and fate and all these different things. And it's like, so you're going to kind of have a hard time keeping me really locked in. So overall good yes it wasn't a horrible movie um i definitely don't love it like i did when it first came out um and i i don't know i mean i'll probably watch it again at some point maybe but i i just don't really anticipate that being uh something that i'm really excited about well and that's probably the difference between my take and yours is i i appreciate the the even if it is a fleeting thing the philosophical aspects of this movie, like the, the, the fate and the we're not going to make it and like the humans are kind of shitty aspects of this movie are are poignant enough to me that they they matter and they are an enjoyable piece of it for me. And I, I think cool. that, you know, that that probably helps to make it more of a thing for me, because I mean, uh, when you take away those elements and and strip it down to and you know a, a shoot 'em up you know robot destroys shit action movie uh it's <laughs> you it, get the terminator it, you get the terminator <laughs> and, and it, it's completely serviceable in that regard but it's more than that to me and i think that that probably is why i feel more strongly about it than you do. Yep, and I, I I think that's totally fair, and I like that we have difference of, difference of opinions on this, and that we're you know we're not so fully aligned like, like we have. usually are. <laughs> yeah, like I I think that's refreshing. Um, yeah, as far as you said, this your favorite of the Terminator movies, and and I I I just go with the the purity of the first Terminator movie is because even though it may not have been quote-unquote quite as good in a few polished ways i feel like it just knew it what it wanted to be it was just a horror movie with a, a robot like that's and where this there the, the ambition that they had it a lot of the things click but a lot of them don't so yeah so i like that we have uh different different overall takes on that so that being said let's get to the stuff everyone's been waiting for yeah time travel so time travel yeah um th- we've uh, in these series of Terminator films, in Terminator 2, we've now uh, witnessed two, well, I guess technically four, incidents of time travel. In the first one, you have the Terminator and uh, uh, and Reese, and then you have the Terminator 2, Terminator, and T-1000. Uh, so that is our four time travels. Now... Obviously, things have changed between Terminator and Terminator 2 in terms of what has uh, has transpired in the future uh, or, or what has transpired for the future, which is why we get the T-800, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, coming back to protect John Connor rather than trying to kill Sarah Connor. Uh, now we could so, <laughs> we we could break this down a hundred <laughs> different ways and spend literally hours breaking it down. But what I think we want to get to is is the time travel element of this film 
cohesive enough or, or I, I maybe not the film maybe the series is the time travel element to the terminator series cohesive enough to be serviceable and and like usable in terms of you know like can, can we believe this like can we believe that this is happening I think to answer that question, I'd have to get an answer to this question from you. And that question is, when did John Connor send back a T-800 to protect himself? When? When? Well, the, the I, I don't know the date or the date in the year, but it was like time stamped on the film, I thought. Right. But like, so the, the, what I'm getting at is. They make it sound like there's a causal action, like the a robot was sent back to kill Sarah Connor while he was pregnant. That was their first attempt, and he failed. Okay. Then the machines tried again by sending back a robot when he was a kid to kill him then. Now, the idea there is that they presumably sent back a machine and as soon as that was complete within a few seconds they were like well it didn't fix anything so we need to send another one because that didn't work does that sound about right uh on the surface yes but i'm gonna add an element of of complexity there and say that it took john connor because you know in reality they probably knew way sooner that the the plan didn't work to send like when they sent the terminator back obviously john connor is still alive so the the plan by the machines to send back the terminator did not work so it took that much longer to or, or they they knew ahead of time okay this isn't going to work because now sarah's going to tell john what his future is so it takes that long for john to find a terminator that is intact with the skin and everything like that. Yeah. And reprogram. I guess this is uh, the, the leap of logic I had to take in the movie is that I had to, in order for this to be make sense on any level, I have to go with the assumption that no one man or machine understands time travel, but the movie understands time travel. And by that, what I'm saying is that they may think they're taking actions to try to change or protect timelines, whatever that might be. Um, but if any of their plans were ever going to work and eliminate John Connor, wouldn't he already be gone? Like, I think we went through this a bit with Bill and Ted, too. That that cyclical reasoning of, we already know it won't work <laughs> because he's still here. And if anything was ever going to work to disrupt the past, right now we would know it, regardless of when it took effect in the past. But... What I'm what I'm proposing as a, a way to make this a little more palatable is that that they're actually the universe itself is set up uh, in a multi-dimensional branching uh, type of situation where if you send someone back in time and they change something, they then create a new future that's different, but it branches off. The other one still exists, and then a new one branches off where some tremendous thing happened that steered things in a new direction, and so the past that one is going to is not necessarily the past that they think that it is, if that makes sense. Right. Oh yeah. So like the sort of abandoned timeline 
uh thing where like okay well th- there's a new prime timeline because that's the one that we're yeah and so like there within. it wouldn't be like a back to the future situation spoiler alert spoiler alert where like a photograph literally starts to change in your hand because all of a sudden something has changed in a timeline somewhere um it's just more of a of course they'll never actually see it because they are now still continuing and always will in their future but now they've created a new timeline where this doesn't happen and parallel dimension versions of themselves and others get a chance to exist and see what happens that's that's the best i can do that's with me being generous uh to make this feel like it can even make a little bit of sense in the in the time travel side of things i'd buy that um i i think that that's that's as good an explanation as any for the the time travel element here speaking of time travel elements what is your favorite time travel movie franchise at least in terms of the mechanics in terms of the the mechanics of time travel it doesn't have to be a movie it can be tv show as well but sort of how how time travel works in it within that overall universe and like what feels the best in terms of uh, in those terms i guess wow that's it's really interesting as i i was already thinking about this topic but only in movies i'd i'd have to reevaluate because there's some really fascinating stuff within tv shows both popular and very independent that are are cool the uh the series dark on netflix comes to mind they do some really interesting time stuff there or man in the high castle and like there, there's a lot of different weird stuff that like i would want to contemplate but i'll just say as far as movies go i absolutely 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 endorse and love primer oh primer's so good uh primer's so so good that's, if that's you're, a great if you're at all a nerd about time travel movies and stuff and you want the, this movie is not action-packed. It's not a huge sci-fi extravaganza. It's like, it's just a movie that really digs deep into this whole like concept of what if you accidentally discover time travel? What that might that actually look like in a very oddly sensical way? And it's just very fascinating and captivating. I've I watched that so many times. I actually like physically took out graph paper and was like drawing diagrams to try to create like timelines and, and notes to myself so I could truly understand exactly what was going on. So yeah, I, if you've never seen it and you're listening to the show and you care at all uh, about uh, accuracy of time travel or really interesting takes on it, definitely seek out uh, primer. Well, what's great about primer too, is like the, the entire time travel piece of it exists in an abstract like you're not witnessing time travel in the same way that you do the terminator or back to the future or or other stuff like that like you're really we're just talking about it like that's all that's happening is we're just talking about traveling through time and that's that that i think is a really interesting aspect and it has to be that way because like the budget for that movie was next to nothing yeah the, the the way that they sort of build that that lore i guess is was really really well done uh i was gonna say for me uh you talked about a netflix series dark there's another one uh that's called the travelers oh yeah that the the lore behind that i think is really really neat and how they 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 try to remain the the prime timeline because like that's obviously like that's their lives like they're they're 
they're trying to stay on that track but the fact that they're not coming back as themselves and they're you know the 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 way that they're doing it it's it's very very cool uh and i'm i'm very sad that it didn't go more than the three seasons that it did because i think that it had a lot of potential to uh to to open up in in a lot of different ways so yeah that was a that was a series that i i i had no intention on watching i didn't hear about it i didn't care about it and it kept popping up and eventually i'm like okay i gotta give it a shot if it's about time travel and stuff whatever and then i was just captivated and just watched like two seasons straight and then the third season had come out like right as i was finishing the second season and it was like <laughs> okay so i basically binged like all three seasons like in a you know a couple of weeks and and so i was really into it for a short window and then yeah i had that the same disappointment but they they do a, a fun thing with time travel that is not that not too dissimilar from like a X-Men days of future past uh, type thing where it's the consciousness traveling through time and not, not the actual body or person. And I I really appreciate that distinction that helps, helps smooth out a few of the difficulties at least. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I I thought that it was a nice take on it and you're right. Not a hundred percent unique, but it was definitely uh, a, a good take and very well executed. Yeah. Very Canadian. Very Canadian, <laughs> uh, which I, I actually, what's funny is it popped up in my Netflix queue because I'd watched another Canadian uh, time travel show called Continuum. Continuum, yeah. That makes sense. That's probably uh, why so... I got the, 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 the thing as well. <laughs> all right. Well, that is our show, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to us each and every week. Uh, we have new episodes every Monday, so stick around and hang out with us as we distill another favorite from our past and you could be my god <laughs> um oh wait no destroying the evidence that that's what the song i was trying to think of um we don't use guns and roses songs in our podcast but we do use semaphore song destroying the evidence in our podcast um they actually um I'm, I'm, i have to admit i've only listened to the one album there's a, maybe there's some more i need to get into uh, you'll you'll have to illuminate that for me anthony if you know um but at any rate uh the song itself destroying the evidence huge part of our lives it actually helped me bake pancakes one morning um now did it really it's i don't know it was one of those weird drunk pancake mornings where anything goes um and if that's ever happened to you Email us at thememorydistillery at gmail.com. Tell us all about your, whether it's time travel, drunk pancake making, or ideas you have for the show. Uh, Like if we should do a special episode all about director commentaries or weird features or things like that. We want to hear about it. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram at at TMDPod, as well as Twitter at TMDPod. Um, You can tweet us there. And I mean... This, this again, we're just dipping our toes into the summer. The summer of blockbusters. So stay tuned. We've got, uh, I think we've got four more lined up. And each one gets better than the last in a way. And uh, I think you're going to really love the grand finale. I know I'm going to. Um, so that being said, <laughs> I want to thank you all for listening. And I am John Deck. And I'm Anthony Verneri. And this has been the Memory Distillery. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs>